Breaking news. And a stunning report coming from our next guest, which could potentially throw out the subpoenas by the January 6th committee, which plans again to do more hearings starting later in about a week or two. Uh, So could everything that they have done in terms of subpoenas be thrown out? Well, joining us now is John Solomon, uh, the great investigative journalist and one of the leaders there at Just the News. Um, John, fill us in, because this is a blockbuster, potentially. Yeah, listen, Doug Mastriana is running for uh, the uh, governor's race in Pennsylvania. He's also a witness in the January 6th commission, because as a state senator in Pennsylvania, he investigated some of the alleged irregularities in that state's 2020 election. So the January 6th committee has been trying to compel him to testify. They have a subpoena. They've been trying to negotiate a deal. Neither side could make a deal. And so today, Doug Mastriani drops a significant lawsuit in federal court in Washington, D.C., saying, hey, the January 6th committee, it didn't follow the rules it must follow in order to enforce or compel a subpoena. What does that mean? Well, it turns out that when Nancy Pelosi took back the House in 2019, they had a rule, which was that subpoenas were only valid and could only be enforced if there was a ranking member on the committee. A ranking member is the top uh, member of the opposition party that doesn't control Congress. In the January 6th commission, Nancy Pelosi turned down Kevin McCarthy's request for a ranking member, and so Kevin McCarthy never appointed one. Liz Cheney joined, but she's not a ranking member. She's what is known as what is a vice chairwoman. The lack of a ranking member, according to this lawsuit, violates the House rules. It prevents the committee, according to the lawsuit, from enforcing the subpoena. And then there's a little twist to it. Uh, They provided some evidence, Mr. Mastriani, through his lawyers, provided some evidence that the signature on his subpoena is not valid either, that it's not Benny Thompson's real signature. It is some form of an auto pen generated by uh, his staff. And so this lawsuit uh, comes out of nowhere. It's uh, two months from the election. Mastriani's running for the governor's race. And now the federal courts in D.C. are going to be asked to weigh in and referee this dispute. And it's interesting for one reason. Oh, wait, do, me, do, me, do, do me a favor, John, yeah. if you could. Hang with us. We're going to go to a break, and I want to have you talk about more of this blockbuster decision potentially after the break. Well, we are talking, of course, uh, with John Solomon. I want to continue now with great John Solomon and his breaking news about the fact that some of these, if not all, of these subpoenas that were issued by the January 6th committee may turn out to be invalid. Isn't that a stunner? And what does that mean to the case? Uh, John, sorry, I had to interrupt you because we had a hard break before, but you were talking about the D.C. court, and I want to have you pick it up. I'm so sorry. No, it's great. Listen, this lawsuit draws on some history in the Washington federal court system. Back in 1978, there was a case in which Congress was trying to enforce a subpoena against Exxon, the oil company. And in that case, which is the prevailing rule right now for the district, it said that in order for a congressional subpoena to be enforced, the committee had to comply by the rules that you know gave it its investigative power. So this lawsuit, this challenge has a direct you know, history in the courts where they're drawing on some past legislative and uh, court history. So it can be very interesting to watch how it goes. So given that, um, and you explained before, too, that, that Liz Cheney doesn't count because the first reaction, of course, oh, we have a Republican, even though I consider her more Democrat than the Democrats on that committee. Um, but based on that and, and the fact that you said it's an electronic and technically it's supposed to be a personal signature from Benny Thompson. Right. And then the other issue is, as you point out, um, there's no ranking member. 
Now, remember, Kevin McCarthy said, oh, this is not a fair hearing. Could they say, well, we gave him the opportunity, but. Yeah, the, the but is a big thing, right? Um, but I, I, the rules don't say, well, if the Republicans turn it down, then the ranking member rule goes away. The rule is still on the books, and it would have been incumbent, at least according to this lawsuit, for Democrats to change the rules if they wanted to make that happen. So this is going to wind its way through the course, but it's the latest in a bunch of bumpy mishaps for this committee. I, we'll take people back through a little history troll here. If you remember earlier in the summer, the committee accused a Republican lawmaker of leading an expedition, leading a reconnaissance mission for the January 6th protesters the day before. Congressman Laudermick was accused of this. Capitol Police came back, looked at all the security footage, said, not true. This summer, we had the star witness, right? Cassidy Hutchinson said, hey, uh, the president, President Trump, grabbed the wheel from the Secret Service and tried to commandeer the presidential limousine, take it to the Capitol on January 6th. Secret Service came back and said, nope, that didn't happen. And, of course, early on in the investigation, they accused Bernie Carrick, the former NYPD commissioner, of attending a meeting on January 5th in Washington, D.C., to plot and how they were going to stop Congress from certifying the vote. The only problem was Bernie Carrick wasn't in Washington, D.C. His toll records, his phone records show he was in New York. So this committee's made a bunch of mistakes. This latest one could be the most consequential if uh, Mastriani is right about, about the uh, rules. Now, how come he found this? Um, and again, as you point out, he, you know, he was one of the people who's been called out among many others. But how come he discovered this? And what about all the other people that have been subpoenaed? What does it mean to the past subpoenas? Well, it's interesting. We've written at Justin News about this rule and we have wondered about it and talked to a lot of people about it. Some lawyers were very concerned about it. Others weren't. This is the first uh, witness to take this to court and actually use it as a legal argument. Uh, if, if, if he prevails, if Mastriani prevails, there is a significant repercussions downstream. Remember, it was a subpoena that Steve Bannon was accused and later convicted of defying when he wouldn't give uh, testimony to the committee. He's been convicted of criminal contempt of court. If these subpoenas are all invalidated, that could call his his case and his conviction into question. And, of course, Peter Navarro, another Trump aide, he's currently awaiting trial. I think it's only a month or so away uh, on a similar charge of contempt of Congress, criminal contempt of Congress. Again, if the subpoena isn't enforceable, those two cases could easily be called into question. The other thing I thought about also, John Solomon, is what about also the people, many of the people who testified, only testified because they were subpoenaed. They weren't voluntary. So what does it mean to their testimony also in the January 6th? It's a great question. Uh, we, we'd be in uncharted territory. I doubt we could invalidate it because it was given. It was given under oath. Uh, but it would add to the long-term historical perception of this committee that it hasn't been fair, hasn't played by the rules, has been one-sided, hasn't allowed an adversarial challenging of the evidence, and in some cases has been just flat-out wrong on the facts. Like Congressman Laudermick wrongly accused, Bernie Carrick wrongly accused. Um, it's a pretty remarkable history that this committee – I've covered a lot of big congressional committees. This one has had one of the most difficult times of getting things accurate. And uh, this could if – the, if the subpoena challenge prevails, it will be one of its lasting legacies of this committee, and it won't be a proud history. Yeah, and listen, it could give grounds to those people who were subpoenaed to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, this wasn't, I wasn't brought in under the appropriate circumstances. They could make the case. I mean, you could almost see this becoming almost a Supreme Court case, John, where um, it goes to them, are they valid subpoenas? And you can almost see the Supreme Court saying maybe, no, it isn't. If they didn't follow what the letter of the law was and what the precedent, like you talked about in the Exxon case, 
um, it, it actually could open a Pandora's box. Yeah, and listen, there's a sand clock running. The Democrats know it. They're in danger of losing control of the House in this midterm election. If that were to happen and Republicans got in control, the January 6th committee could get flipped on its head next year. And you could see a remarkable turnaround of the committee, maybe focused on what did Nancy Pelosi know? When did she know it about the security concerns? Why didn't she take the National Guard? So the Democrats have a very short time to try to execute their strategy and get the most politically out of this committee. And this lawsuit could throw a wrench in that. This could tie it up in the courts for a while on one witness that they're very interested in interviewing, not only because of his role in investigating elections, but he's also the Republican nominee for one of the most prized governorships in America, the Pennsylvania governorship. Yeah, really interesting. And maybe it opens the door to others contesting it, too, as well. Um, Before I let you go, John Solomon, uh, give us a recap. I want to play a little bit. This is uh, First Congressman Michael Waltz earlier in the day. Um, And this is before the judge's hearing on the raid. And this is regarding the special master. Of course, Trump wants his independent arbiter. And here is uh, Congressman Waltz kind of commenting on where he hopes things go with the judge. Well, I certainly hope the judge errs towards transparency. You have 70 million Americans that have a lot of questions about the timing of this raid, the necessity of this aggressive action. Uh, the, you know, so many of us, myself included, are asking what changed between the back and forth process in June to then August to then have to take this action. Did they have some type of ed- evidence that President Trump was going to hand these documents to some foreign entity? I highly seriously doubt that. Um, so what was that catalytic moment? Uh, and, and I think the judge should err towards restoring confidence in our federal law enforcement, restoring confidence in the Department of Justice uh, and, and, and really quelling uh, you know, what I'm hearing and that so many people are so outraged and so alarmed. And John Solomon, uh, the judge, Eileen Cannon there in Florida today, uh, she didn't rule on it, but she seems inclined. It still seems to have a special master near DOJ is fighting the tooth and nail. Yeah, very interesting dynamic to see the Justice Department fight an effort at transparency, at fairness, at bringing in an independent referee to kind of restore some of the confidence that has been shaken by this raid. Judge left the hearing today saying, I'm going to do a written ruling, but I'm still kind of inclined to give that special master, give President Trump the benefit of the doubt. Let's go through these records, see if there was an overcollection, if you properly separated privilege or you're cheating. Uh, I think we're going to see that. And, you know, that's what that means. It's going to be just like what we were talking about in the Mastriani case. This uh, investigation is going to slow down a little bit until these issues are resolved. Yeah, really fascinating. And just like you said, I think that that's the case, too. Like she's going to try to put it on halt. Let's have a thorough review. Let's have a fair review. And again, this all bleeds, you know, potentially, as we're both talking on both of these issues, uh, past the midterms, um, which is really fascinating, the timing of it all. John Solomon, thank you very much. Really great to have you here. And, and what a big scoop. That's really interesting. Keep us posted. We always love having you here on the show, John. You bet, Rita. Have a great rest of the night. Thank you very much, John Solomon. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free 
free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.